Thank you for listening in to the King's Chapel podcast. We hope this message is a blessing to you. Please stay tuned after the message for more information about King's Chapel. Jesus, our King. And when it comes to this time of year and we talk about the King, we get these images um, of three wise men coming to Jesus in a manger and giving him the gifts king. We, we think about um, the return of Jesus, the king. But when it comes to scripture and life, the, the idea and the concept of king isn't quite so clean. And that's what we'll be looking at this morning in uh, our first Sunday of Advent. And if you're new to, uh, to Advent today, let me just um, explain a little bit about, about what's going on. The word Advent uh, simply means arrival, especially the arrival of someone who is a, a dignitary or, or is in importance. So when we talk about this season of Advent, we're simply saying that we're recognizing the arrival of King Jesus. And we're also looking forward to his arrival again. And part of that is, as you'll see here, we have, we have Advent candles. And throughout the, the month leading up, we will light one each week as we build toward celebrating the coming of Jesus on Christmas Sunday. So Jesus the King but when you think about king, it isn't always this grand idea. You think about even in our nation's history. Um, you come across people like this. This is, this is King George III of England, um, the villain in the, the American Revolution story, the man that uh, our founders despised for his taxation. And if you would have been among those early colonists and you would have said the word king, the, the feeling, the connotation around that wouldn't have been a positive one. It would, have been, it would have been this. It would have been the tyrant, the thief, King George III. And the truth of the matter is, even in the time of the Old Testament, especially the time of the kings and the prophets, the kings were a mixed bag. We hear a lot about David and Solomon, and we hear about Josiah and Hezekiah and, and Jehoshaphat and all of these great kings, but in addition to those kings, there were kings like Ahaz, who brought in um, the, the articles of worship from Damascus and brought him into the very temple of God. And people like who, are, who we are going to see the mor- this morning, the next to the last king of Judah... King Jehoiachin. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Hezekiah, (laughs) Jeremiah chapter 13. This is the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah will see the destruction of Jerusalem with his own eyes. All of this that's been prophesied for generations, that it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, Jeremiah will be the one that is prophesying right up to it and during this crisis. He is living, he is prophesying during the reign of King Jehoiachin, the the next to the last of the kings of Judah who will reign in Jerusalem. And picking up at verse number 12, Isaiah is prophesying, And he says, you shall speak to them this word. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, every jar shall be filled with wine. Now, 
This, is, this sounds like a good prophecy, right? A chicken in every pot. I mean, that's kind of what's going on here. This is one of those, you know, peace and prosperity. Times are going to be good. And so he said, speak to them this word, says the Lord. Every jar will be filled. And if you know the prophets very well, they didn't typically prophesy things very good because they were prophesying to a wicked nation in crisis. But here's how the prophecy begins. Now look at how it continues. And they will say to you, the hearers, the people of Israel, they will say to you, do we not indeed know that every jar will be filled with wine? Don't don't we know that we're the people of God? Don't we know that things are going to go well? Don't we know that the prophets will heap good words on us? And then you shall say to them, Jeremiah, thus says the Lord, behold, I will fill with drunkenness all the inhabitants of this land, the kings who sit on David's throne, and the priests, and the prophets, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So this prophecy, every jar will be filled with wine, is not a good prophecy. God is going to bring drunkenness. He's going to bring a stupor onto the people so that when the Babylonians come, they will not be ready for it, including in this prophecy of judgment are the kings that sit on David's throne. The kings of Judah were a mixed bag. And Jeremiah is prophesying, and I will dash them one against another, the fathers and the sons together, declares the Lord, and I will not pity or spare or have compassion that I should not destroy them. They're going to be in this drunken stupor, and destruction is going to come upon them, and they're not even going to realize it. Even upon the man who sits on David's throne. So what could this man do, Jehoiachin, that would possibly bring upon him a prophecy such as this? If you turn ahead, several chapters, stay in Jeremiah if you're following along, to Jeremiah chapter 36. And this is kind of lengthy. We're going to go through this pretty quickly, but I just want you to catch the big part of the story. So this is Jeremiah and his, his associate, his assistant, Um, Baruch. And so these are the two people who are going on. And so they went into the court of the king, that's Baruch, and his, uh, so Jeremiah had sent his assistant in with the word of God, with the prophecy written down. And having put the scroll in the chamber of Elishama, the secretary, and they reported to all, all the words to the king, the words meaning the words of Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah had written his prophecy down, well, Baruch had written it down as Jeremiah dictated it. Baruch has taken it into the king, The word's written down. Keep going. And the king sent Jehudi to get the scroll, and he took it from the chamber of Elishama, the secretary, and Jehudi read it to the king and the officials who stood beside the king. Think about this. The son of David, the the, the one in the line of David, is hearing the word of the Lord from God's mouthpiece, the prophet Jeremiah, before him. Surely David's son is going to repent. The man who wrote these these words in Psalm 51 of repentance when God had confronted him for the killing of Uzziah, and surely this man in David's line, when confronted with the words of the prophet, would repent. And it was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter house, and there was a fire burning in the fire pot before him. 
And as Jehudi read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire in the fire pot until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the fire pot. Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard these words was afraid, nor did they tear their garments. And when Elnathan and Deliah and Jeremiah urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. Let's just stop there. David's son, the king who's sitting on his throne, is listening to the words of the prophet. And they're not tearing their clothes. They're not repenting. Even when they are receiving counsel, don't do this. David's son is cutting off the word of God and throwing it into the fire. When you hear the king of Judah and these, these, these emotions of, of joy and righteousness come to mind, it wasn't always the case. And you understand why Isaiah the prophet, just a couple of generations before Jeremiah, as he's seeing this pro- this, these problems brewing, as he's dealing with his own wicked king Ahaz, who is not following in the footsteps of his father David, Isaiah looks forward to a king. I want to skip ahead to Isaiah, to his prophecy, very familiar very, very familiar words here to us um, during this Christmas season. But look at what Isaiah prophesies. This is Isaiah chapter 9. Sorry, guys, I'm skipping ahead. This is not their fault. Isaiah 9, you know this. But I want you to think about it in terms of the wicked kings that were sometimes ruling the people. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice And with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the people of God longed for a godly king. They longed for a king of righteousness and justice. Their stomachs were turned at the wickedness of Ahaz and others. And I'm sure Jeremiah And Isaiah and Zechariah, as we'll see so many times, said, How long, Lord? How long will we be under the rule of this tyrant? Until Jeremiah, or until Isaiah says, There's a son coming. There's a king coming who will sit on David's throne and rule with righteousness. And with justice. And later on, Zechariah the prophet would something similar in an equally familiar passage. You know this one. This is the triumphal entry passage. But look at what he's saying. He's, again, he's living in this time of uncertainty. And rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, 
on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The prophets are yearning for a righteous king. Send him, send him, send him. And they long for a day that a king with the heart of David will sit on the throne. And they don't see it. They spend their lives waiting for the promise. And then the words of the angel Gabriel ring out. Ring out in a message that's recorded for us in Luke chapter 1, verse number 30. Gabriel shows up to announce to Mary that she is going to conceive and have a son. And I want you to listen to the language that Gabriel uses. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And look at this. And he will be great and called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. What's Gabriel saying? The one longed for by the prophets is coming. The righteous king is coming. David's descendant is coming. And you are going to bear him. No more to live under the yoke of a wicked king. The king is here. And when we celebrate this Christmas season and his advent, we celebrate that the end, the end of the reign of wickedness is at hand. That Jesus has come to rule in righteousness. Go to the next. Paul says this in Ephesians. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the truth of the matter is we, we, we celebrate the coming of the King Jesus, but yet we still find ourselves in this tension in the middle, don't we? Yes, he's come. Yes, he is right now reigning on David's throne. He is victorious. He is reigning. But the consummation has not come. He's not come. His kingdom has not come in its fullness. It's come in its beginning, in its infancy. And we live in this tension under the reign of King Jesus, but waiting for his reign to be finally materialized. And we live in this same waiting tension that the prophets lived in. Except we say, how long, Jesus, till you come again? How long until you reign over the earth with righteousness and justice? How long? And as we're living in this tension, Paul reminds us of this. Our citizenship is in heaven. And that while we are here in this life, we are going to feel out of place. We are going to feel sometimes like this isn't working like it's supposed to. But what do we do in this tension? We wait. We wait. And that's the theme of our first Sunday of Advent. 
Advent reminds us that we have to wait. That the things that God provides for us don't come in an instant. And the, and the kingdom and the righteousness that God has promised and that, that, that has come in Jesus that doesn't come in an instant. And there are times that we wait. And in just a few moments, we will light the first candle and then we'll stop. We won't light them all. Why? Because we still have some waiting to do. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. And some of us find ourselves in that waiting and we get frustrated. And Paul said this, we're waiting for a Savior from heaven. We await Him. And we look around our congregation and we see people who are waiting. We see people who have received. We've got a, we've got a great family who's celebrating a Christmas this year with an expanded family like no other. But they could tell you about waiting. They could tell you what it's like to wait. And sometimes there is waiting. And Advent reminds us that our citizenship is in heaven and we wait for a Savior from there. But don't grow weary. Don't grow tired in the waiting. In fact, Paul says this in 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, don't overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. And the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient toward you. Advent reminds us not to mistake the waiting for God's neglect in fulfilling his promise. Just because we have to wait doesn't mean the promise isn't coming. Wait in hope. Wait in peace. Wait in expectation. And wait for the promise. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep living. But wait. Prepare to light the first Advent candle and we're going to sing a couple of Christmas carols together. When we think of the idea of waiting, I want you to, I just want to bring to your mind a couple of, of lines from, from these two hymns. This is from Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And I want you to look at these words before we sing them. And think about this in, in this whole idea of waiting. Come, thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. And some of you this morning who are waiting, let this line here soak into your soul to find rest in Jesus. We're also going to sing together, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And I love this song because the verses of this song are like, in a sense, think of them like the prophets of Old Testament, like Jeremiah and Isaiah calling out to God, send Emmanuel, send him. And then it's like the chorus has come from the other side, come from our side of salvation history, saying, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has come. And so we're going to sing these. If you want to stand, please. We're going to sing these together in just a moment.
Travis and Jen are going to come and, and light the first Advent candle. In your waiting, do not give up. Let's pray. Thanks again for checking out this week's message. If you are interested in finding out more about King's Chapel, please visit our website at kingschapel.church. There you can find service times and more ways to connect with us. You can also follow us on social media at King's Chapel SGF. We look forward to seeing you soon.